Your news programme, every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. So it has been a dramatic last couple of days on the North Korea front. We had that rocket launch on Sunday, yesterday, some trespassing at the northern limit line, which North Korea doesn't actually recognise. That refers to the de facto western maritime border between the two sides. But there's no doubt South Korea's on alert. We've had several messages in the last 48 hours suggesting that we can expect another major provocation by North Korea. Professor Lee Sung-yoon from Tufts University's Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy, a regular on the show, joins us live on the line. Good morning from Seoul. Hello. Hope that uh, all these developments haven't prevented you from at least marking Seoul Al in some way. Well, um, North Korea's impingement on my personal schedule really doesn't mean anything, but they do these things, obviously, on Sundays and major holidays with a reason. They like to rub it in, uh, not only to the U.S., but also to their patron state, China, doing this as they conducted a nuclear test three years ago during Lunar New Year celebrations. And that actually, as counterintuitive as it may be, creates... Um, a situation that pushes their adversaries, interlocutors further into a corner. And the more press coverage, the more questions are asked, the United States and South Korea and others have usually returned to talks after a brief interval, a decent interval, with bigger blandishments in tow. So there's a certain element of rationality in what North Korea does. In the past, you viewed this uh, rocket launch as being inevitable. Why was that? And why were you perhaps then presumably not surprised? They've been at it for a while. The first, North Korea's first long-range missile test came in 1998, so some uh, 18 years ago. They spent a lot of money on this, so there's a technical reason, technological reason to continue to test. Obviously, the political reason is very meaningful with its latest successful long-range missile test. Pyongyang achieves at least two long-standing interrelated goals. First, show its long-time adversary, the U.S., its neo-capability to hit the continental U.S. with a nuclear warhead-tipped missile. According to some reports, the latest uh, missile range has uh, Washington within its orbit within range, some 13,000 kilometers. Uh, secondly, with this kind of credibility now established, North Korea will try to change the balance of power in the Korean Peninsula by holding South Korea, the government and the public, as well as the U.S. forces in Korea, hostage to nuclear war, at least threat of nuclear war with Washington. And that is a crucial step in one day overpowering its competitor Korean state, South Korea. We often talk about these as provocations, um, and really it did feel yesterday as though Pyongyang was deliberately poking Seoul, deliberately trying to provoke a response by allowing this patrol vessel to uh, trespass south of the northern limit line, which, while only recognised by South Korea, the North would have known exactly what they were doing, wouldn't they? Of course, and... 
uh, you know, something like that just doesn't happen by accident. North Korea is very crafty, very strategic-minded, and they will continue to prick and press just to the extent that uh, their actions don't provoke a retaliation, a meaningful retaliation, both military and non-military. And they will continue to do this throughout uh, the joint, the combined military exercises that are coming up between South Korea and the U.S., and probably, I imagine, for several weeks to come, because three years ago, that's what they did in the wake of their nuclear test in February 2013, and uh, faced with opprobrium from the world over, North Korea sort of acted crazy, made all kinds of uh, threats, nuclear war even, against the U.S., and was able, actually, to put a lot of political pressure on both of its main adversaries, Seoul and Washington. So I expect the same kind of bluster to come in the coming weeks. Yet, before we even get on to sanctions, the US and South Korea are capable of initiating a response of their own kind. We have seen the THAAD initiative, for example, gain huge momentum. It seems inevitable now that uh, this missile defense system, which China is openly opposed to, will be deployed at some stage. And, uh, I mean, that can't be great for North Korea, can it, to have such a, a powerful defense system right on its doorstep? Well, North Korea will not uh, embrace it. But I don't think that fundamentally changes the equation. And I guess the question is, why now? Why not two years ago? Why not three years ago? I think South Korea has been sort of induced in self-hypnosis, uh, self-induced hypnosis. They've been suffering. The government has been suffering from it. Uh, the notion that we don't want to displease China because we need China not only for trade, but also because we rely on China to rein North Korea in, especially on the nuclear issue, that's been consistently, uh, it's been proven to be a false hope. And both the U.S. and South Korea have depended, deferred to China, mm. outsourcing their North Korea policy to China, uh, resorting to moral suasion, do the right thing. And each time China has been uh, duplicitous, I have to say, frankly, or let me put it more diplomatically, uh, China has shown its diplomatic ambidexterity in saying one thing, doing mm. quite the other, signing on to UN Security Council resolutions, then uh, in reality increasing aid to North Korea. So that pattern will go on, and the best way to get China on board is to give China a disincentive in terms of potential economic, financial losses rather than moral suasion. And the way to do that, the best proven way to do that is to not only punish North Korea's illicit activities, proliferation, money laundering, and so forth, but also North Korea's third country enablers, partners, Chinese banks and institutions. And in the past, China's banks uh, have proven to be uh, quite responsive in a positive sense to such targeted financial sanctions by the U.S. But can China... And, you know, I'm not referring to every one of the Chinese people, obviously, here. But can they be trusted? Because many of their comments about U.S. and South Korean policy in the last few days, uh, even on this THAAD discussion, could easily be reversed 
and uh, aimed at Beijing's attitude towards island building, for example, in the South China Sea, towards territorial disputes. Uh, you used the word duplicitous before. Um, Self-contradictory, hypocritical, even disgraceful could be other words to describe China's attitude in the region. I mean, I, I, I say that actually fairly neutrally. I, I can't think of a, of a positive way of describing China's attitude towards this situation. Uh, yes, and I think um, it makes sense to take that neutral kind of detached perspective and from an amoral perspective approach to international relations. What China is doing is understandable. We don't condone it, perhaps, but we understand what, what they're doing, why they are doing it. They are engaged in a long-term strategic competition with the U.S. And uh, in that context, having this problem, uh, problematic neighbor, having that North Korea card to play against the U.S. makes perfect sense. So we can't depend on China to do the right thing. But we can get China on board in terms of uh, ceasing money transfer, stopping its financial deals with Pyongyang, with targeted, designated mm. North Korean entities, as we've seen in the past. But China and Russia have both spoken about not wanting to impose tougher sanctions. Uh, so where does that leave us? Uh, it leaves us right in Washington. So UN sanctions, yes, have a, a very constructive role, and there is no one magic bullet, one panacea. But the United States uh, has tremendous powers, authorities to do a lot on its own. And the U.S. has been doing that with respect to Iran and many other countries. Now, if the U.S., and I think the U.S. will, sign into law, pass uh, the, the pending legislation, North Korea sanctions bill, that's uh, scheduled to be passed in, in the Senate this week, then it will be incumbent on the U.S. government to go after not only North Korea's perpetrators of proliferation and money mm. laundering and censorship and so forth, but also punish North Korea's uh, partners. And that way, China will have a strong disincentive uh, to stop dealing with North Korea. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, I think, you know, the past 25 years of U.S. policy toward North Korea has been a failure, and North Korea has conducted three nuclear tests and three long-range missile tests yes. during the Obama administration. And now, as you know, there's even more talk of South Korea going nuclear. Uh, it's uh, the so taboo it, again. It's certainly been... Uh... A challenging period under that administration, as you point out, Professor E. We've got to leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you.